let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Happy Jerry Anderson Day. Oh, happy Jerry Anderson Day. Isn't that nice? The day are. is finally here. We've been talking about it for ages, but it actually is now. Yes. Jerry Anderson Day. And this is your very special Jerry Anderson Day special bonus episode special yeah. bonus. Look, you've done up the place really nicely as well. Just, I love those scatter cushions over there with Jerry's face on it. There's one there with my face on. Yeah, it's I just odd. didn't want you to oh, gosh. feel Don't left out. Uh, <clears throat> no, it's got a whoopee cushion yes. built into it. Uh, yeah, now, right. this is Jerry Anson Day. It's the 14th of April. It would have been Dad's 92nd birthday. It's the first International Jerry Anson Day, and there is so much yeah. going on today. We are very happy you could join us, and we hope that you are going to enjoy something from the world of Jerry Anson today, and ideally yeah. rope in some other people to enjoy the world of Jerry Anson Day. So Rope them in? Well, by which I mean... I'm sure... It's, yeah. <laughs> It's nothing physical. I mean, metaphorically oh. wrote them in. Oh, gently coax, perhaps. Gently coax in some new people yes. to the world's Jerry Anderson. So if you are a fan uh, of any level of intensity, but you, you know you are a Jerry Anderson fan, mm-hmm. then please, today, reach out to at least one other person and say, hey, did you know today's Jerry Anderson Day? And they'll say, what's Jerry Anderson Day? Mm-hmm. And then you can send them to this bonus episode or you can tell them to go and watch some Jerry Anderson stuff on Britbox or you can tell them to join in with Fab Live tonight or you can tell them to tune into Forces TV at 10pm uh, wow. UK time tonight to watch the uh, fan favourite selection of the best episode of UFO or if you're in North America you can go and watch the Shout Factory Jerry Anson Marathon from 11am Pacific time uh, or you can join in the Big Finish listening party at 8pm UK time and have three free episodes of Terrorhawks to listen to and interact with actors and creators from that series and there's loads of other stuff too yep i mean it's a shame we can't do the celebration in person which we would have loved to have done we would love to have you all together in a room and you know yeah enjoy some cocktails definitely massive massive cake probably the shape of thunderbird Thunderbird 2 obviously yeah Yeah, great choice but we can't do that so instead we're celebrating dad's amazing life and career and legacy all today by giving people lots of ways to access it, enjoy it, and share the experience, despite despite the fact that we are separated by COVID and uh, all sorts of other things, you know, geographically. So, yeah. something else that's very special about this episode, Richard, is that it is interactive. Is it? Wait, it oh, is that what all those people are doing here? Yeah, that's... Hang on, that's my face! Don't sit on that! Oh. Well, no, they're, they're going to poke you in a minute, don't worry. Oh, so, great. make sure that you're listening to this via the special interactive player. Now, you can find that at jerryanderson.co.uk slash gadaypod. That's G-A-D-A-Y-P-O-D. You may be listening mm-hmm. to it there right now. If not, then do pop along and you can pick up the episode where you left off. So here comes your first bit of interactivity. Oh, are they going to put the kettle on? <laughs> no, not, not tea and Milk interactivity. A vote is coming. Ah. I want to know... Which of our Jerry Anson Day activities are you most looking forward to? Here comes the vote. Your options are number one, Britbox. Number two, Shout Factory. Number three, Networks Jerry Anson Night In. Number four, Fab Live. Or number five, Big Finish. Wow. So, are you most excited about the Britbox Jerry Anson The Greatest Episodes? 
Shout Factory's Jerry Anderson Marathon, Network's Jerry Anderson Night In and Watch Along, Fab Live with all of our special guests, or mm. the Big Finish Terrorhawks listening party. Make sure you... How would you choose? Log your vote. Well, you'll, you will have seen when I was saying all those things that the options came up on the cover art of the player. They'll be disappearing any moment now, so make sure you've logged your vote. And uh, there they go. That's it. Right. Thank you for Ooh. voting. Um, mm. We're going to find out what the Posteron's favourite bit is. I mean, obviously, you couldn't vote for this bonus episode, although I'm sure you're enjoying every moment of it. Now... Are you sure? Yes. You're quite sure? Ve- okay. Yes. Very shortly, we're going to be hearing a very special audio compilation of archive audio of Dad talking about some of his favourite shows and episodes that he created and little anecdotes and stories behind them. Really rather lovely. And at the end of that, I'm going to ask you to vote again on your favourite because we want to know what it is about those stories that you love, which one is, uh, is the one that meant the most to you. Yeah. Before we get there, I just want to get, give you a run through all the things that are happening and make sure that you're able to join in with everything we're doing today. So, you can watch stuff on BritBox if you're in the UK anytime you like during the day. Jerry Anson, The Greatest Episodes are there with little 90-second to two-minute introductions from Dad himself. Newly created video content by the lovely Ben Page, who's done a marvellous job. And thank you to BritBox for partnering on, us, uh, on that with us and doing such a great job. You can watch this anytime, and it's not just today, but over the next couple of months. So, enjoy that when you like. If you're in the US, there's the Shout Factory Jerry Anson Marathon, going from 11am PST, that's Pacific standard time is it i suppose mm-hmm. yeah 24 hours of jerry anson stuff if you're in the uk again and you would like to do a jerry anson watch along with us then make sure you go to watch.networkonair.com purchase the jerry anson night in and press play at 7 p.m uh-huh. follow along on twitter with hashtag jerry anson day and uh, you'll be able to enjoy the experience live with fans from across the country uh, it's a specially curated night with linking material some featuring Dad, some, unfortunately for you, featuring me, and a plethora of Jerry Anton-related adverts uh, throughout, all themed, all really lovely, and um, just a great experience. It's five whole hours of content. It's just four ninety nine, So, you know, I hope you'll go along and enjoy that. You may not wish to enjoy that. You may not be able to, but don't worry. There's another mm-hmm. way to uh, enjoy an interactive experience, and that is with Big Finish's Terrorhawks listening party from 8 p.m. UK time, but available across the world via SoundCloud. There's a playlist which you can click on, click play on at 8 p.m., and then follow along on Twitter with the hashtag Terrorhawks to hear from cast and crew uh, little stories from behind the scenes and all sorts of fun stuff and enjoy it together with a lovely communal online listening experience without geographical barriers. Lovely. And of course, there is Fab Live at 5.30 UK time, available globally. You can enjoy it wherever you are. Join me and Richard and a number of special guests, including Nick Briggs, Lee Sullivan, hopefully John Colshaw, and maybe some others too. Uh, it'll be 90 minutes of great fun, highly interactive. You can ask us questions and um, we'll have all sorts of goodies to show you there. Yeah, great. There's all that and there's more stuff going on too. Just too much to mention, but those are the key things that uh, you might want to grab onto today. It's Jerry Anderson Day. And now... Richard, shall we mm-hmm. go on to our main bonus feature? Oh, yes, please. Okay, let's hand over to Dad, also known as the late, great Jerry Anderson. Today, Jerry Anderson is remembered worldwide as the creator of some of the most beloved television series of the 20th century. Some would say the British Walt Disney. But in 1960, Jerry and his team were simply a crew making puppet films for kids. All that changed when, during the production of Supercar, they invented the term for their unique high-tech animation style, Super Marionation. I had directed Four Feather Falls uh, straight off, and uh, I'd learned that we, we had mastered most things. 
that walking was just an absolute nightmare. And we had also learned, you know, now that uh, kids loved a lot of movement, a lot of rapid action, again, bearing in mind the times we're talking about. And I suddenly thought, well, one of the ways of getting puppets to seemingly move around fast will be to put them in a vehicle. A car that will fly, you know, it'll extend wings and suddenly it'll fly, that's great. ITC America was a subsidiary of ITC London. They were going down the drain. Then Lou Grade said, okay, shut it down. But they had already taken delivery of supercar and suddenly they started selling it like crazy. And I remember going over there and um, literally finding the whole office in pandemonium, answering telephones and issuing contracts. And, um, and it, it was that really that um, saved ITC. Of course, they wouldn't have been in existence today had it not been for supercar. As a follow-up to the marvel of the age, Jerry needed a new idea. Fireball XL5 would launch his small studio into orbit. Talking about 1962, and I think probably in 1962 there was, you know, the space program was underway. Um, I'd have to check dates to be absolutely precise, but around about that time, uh, rockets were being fired and uh, test firings made, and there was a lot of talk about putting men into orbit and so on. And so, of course, space was very topical. And having been told by people that I was now in science fiction simply because of this move to supercar, because the puppets couldn't walk, um, I suppose, you know, you put those two things together and I started to look towards space. I mean, one has to bear in mind that I was always intensely interested in space travel. I mean, I've always looked at the starry sky and just wondered. With Lou Grade's purchase of AP Films, Jerry now had the financial backing to make a full series in color, the first of its kind in the UK. One is trying to be different. And so, yes, if you have been in space, and yes, if you have been on Earth, where do you go next? Well, one possibility is... um, underwater. And also, uh, don't forget that during the war I had a basin full of U-boats. And then after the war, um, quite amazed at the sophistication of modern submarines and the amount of space in them, and so on. And then of course, fascinated by you know, the fact that you uh, you stand on Earth and you look at the Atlas Mountains or you read about Mount Everest or whatever. And when you suddenly stop and think that there are trenches in the ocean that are as deep as mountains on the surface and things there that no man has ever seen and pressures that are almost impossible to withstand. I mean, yes, you begin to think there are areas there that are unexplored or very little explored, and therefore 
you know, you can be justified in writing um, some pretty wacky stuff. Thunderbirds is widely considered Jerry's greatest success, but did he have a favorite episode? Well, oddly enough, I see different episodes in different light as as the years go by. But um, I was very fond of the first episode, mainly because of my interest in flying, and also because I thought it had a wonderful climax, and I'm talking about at the time the show was made. It was a very, very exciting finish. When we shot the Thunderbird pilot, Fireflash came in low over the runway, and the trolleys were uh, negotiating their correct position for it to drop down. On one of the shots, everything was going perfectly, but just as the, um, the wing was going to land on the last trolley, the trolley hit a bump and it ran off the roller road. And they printed the shot simply because they thought that, that the early part of it might be usable. And when I saw that trolley go off, I said, hey, wait a while, why don't we use that? And I went straight back to the office and scripted that trolley running off and overturning and the subsequent dialogue, are you all right, yeah, I'm okay, and so on. And we um, called a, a, the relevant artist in and did, did a quick recording session, and we shot the extra material and made use of that. But, but that was an accident, that shot. And it was turned into an event. The inspiration of the Empire State Building uh, being moved was uh, that I had read that in Japan, at that time, they were, they were moving um, a department store in order to widen the road. And it was being moved, you know, something like an eighth of an inch a day. And people were still shopping in the store while it was being moved. And it was, it was reading that article that triggered the idea of um, moving in by state building. So in that particular case, we were copying what was already happening. Thunderbird 2 was described as a big, lumbering cargo ship capable of carrying huge weights at high speed for that kind of aircraft. Um, all the rest was Derek Meddings, including the idea of the interchangeable pods, which of course was an absolutely wonderful idea. Um, Thunderbird 4, I had described as a one-man underwater craft and given no indication whatsoever about the design, so that was totally Derek. The, the Attack of the Alligators was, was inspired by an H.G. Wells book called uh, Food of the Gods. That's where I got the idea from that. And uh, it really was just a question of um, an experiment going wrong. You devise a drug that will make... Um, cattle grow to enormous size and therefore overcome the world's food problems, you know. There will be a glut of meat and nobody will go hungry. So um, that was the idea. And then, of course, it, it went wrong. So what were we going to do? Were we going to have giant cows? Well, that wouldn't work. But I remembered that I directed a series called You've Never Seen This. In that, um, I shot this circus act with a guy by the name of Kara Cabot, who was 
hypnotizing alligators. And so I had been close to them. They're also terrifying things. And, and we had the tanks and, um, you know, swamps were, seemed to be a pretty good area setting. Uh, we had this uh, woman, the sort of Mrs. Danvers type character. So it all clicked together pretty well. After Thunderbird's untimely cancellation, most producers would have been tempted to play it safe and rake in the profits with a lookalike, or at least a very similar follow-up series. But for Jerry, innovation and thinking different would lead to new puppets and a new darker tone for a series that eventually became Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. I was paranoid about thinking up new ideas, doing things differently, right? And I remember I went to Lou Grade with an idea. Why don't we make an American police story? And use a big name American artist. Make it a really knockout series. And then round about episode 27, there's a gunfight. And guess what happens? He's killed. And then the next episode, you bring in another international star. And... It'll do away once and for all with this business like the star of the show can never be killed. You see, it must be mad to even suggest such a thing. I mean, can you imagine having a top-rating show with a huge audience and then you kill off the lead? I mean, well, of course, he had a point, didn't he? You know, of, of all the planets, <clears throat> um, it was known that the only one that might possibly sustained life was Mars, and so therefore everybody in science fiction that wanted to talk about aliens or another race um, chose Mars because there was no other choice. Yes, it looked very good, and I was very pleased with it. While looking back on a more down-to-earth series, Jerry realized that he'd unintentionally started imitating someone, himself. I thought when we made later on Joe 90, I thought it was a brand new idea, Joe 90. I read this morning that there was a Lieutenant 90. <laughs> and, and nobody picked that up. Nobody said, oh, we used that before. Uh, the show tended to lean more on pure characterization. The puppets were now looking like people, like real people. Therefore, possibly... The feeling was, we're now dealing with real people. We're not dealing with those dumb, dumb, silly puppets anymore. Therefore, let's concentrate more on plot and um, emotion and so on. And uh, I, I think that may well, well be a, a, a fair assessment of why it didn't do too well. I was always very proud of the idea of Joe 90. Jerry Anderbold's shiny new focusy uppermost on Carrick-Dabe and relational developy, now listen carefully, my sweet philolopers, was all a stratagem most sneaky-wise for backdoor entry into live-action-y filmmaker. Oh, yes it was. But combined load hilarity most unusual with the stringy pups and the live-actory most was sure to bring joy to only a few viewers I bold in the mid-load. I can hear you ask the philosophic queste, but we've all been wondering, which is, why, Jerry? I had always loved watching Stanley, or listening to Stan Lee. I mean, I just adored him. Oh, I just, I, I mean, I just, he used to crease me up. I mean, and uh, 
So you just bear that in mind for one moment. The next, the next thing to bear in mind is that uh, the characters have now got uh, um, properly proportioned bodies and they looked real. Uh, we had just made Joe 90 and were playing sort of real life human scenes with puppets, albeit that we hadn't seen the response of the public to this yet. And now what's the next series going to be? Well now, the thing that we still hadn't conquered was getting puppets to walk. And so I came up with the idea of what if we took on an artist and uh, made a replica puppet. So in long shot, the artist could get out of a car, walk into a building, and then we'd pick him up inside the building as a puppet. And, you know, the thing would be much faster moving, much more believable. And so this is how the Secret Service was born. With Super Marionation in the rearview mirror, Jerry was ready to make his first live-action series. Early on, there was an episode that stood out to him as a favorite. Question of priorities. However the, however the story went, the essence of the story was, Commander, you've got to come to such and such a place, else ten of your best men are going to die. And Ed come to the hospital, your son's been knocked down and he's dying. And it really was the story of how any man in an executive position can be torn apart by, uh, like, what the hell do you do? I mean, I was heavily preoccupied with the notion that uh, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult to be a good husband and a good father and also be a successful businessman at the same time. You know, so this, this um, conundrum was clearly on my mind when I thought of this particular episode. And that, that basically was what it was about. I, and I thought it was very, very successful. I got a terrible bollocking from New York, you know, like saying, this is a, this is a science fiction series, Jerry. This is not a soap. You know, what the hell are you doing? You know, so that, uh, uh, that kind of picture was wiped out. Unfortunately, UFO was notable for tackling more explicitly adult themes. Jerry Anderson explains how this came about. There were two people on the unit. One was a director by the name of Ken Turner, who had a natural aptitude for using ultra-wide-angle lenses and um, creating the bizarre. I mean, this was just part of his makeup. And we didn't write specifically for directors, but I mean, if a writer came in and said, how about this? I could hear myself saying, well, I think that's the sort of picture that Ken Turner could do. So I was obviously influenced by the directors we had on tap. There was very little research into audiences and breakdown of audience makeups and so on. And um, Generally speaking, these sort of figures were for program broadcasters rather than program makers. And I honestly didn't um, sit down and ponder for days on them. Who should this program appeal to? How many kids are going to watch? What time is it going to go out? I mean, none of these things really crossed my mind. 
the Lewis Milestone piece of advice <coughs> that I received was something that heavily influenced me. And that was, you know, don't, don't try and second guess what other people are going to want or what interpretation they're going to put on it. Um, you can't satisfy everybody, so at least satisfy yourself. And I think really with all the pictures I made, <coughs> they were pictures that appealed to me. And because I'm basically a family man, I think the things that appeal to me would appeal to a family quite naturally. And I'm not into the sort of subjects uh, that uh, really would slam the door on the kiddies. And the other director we had was um, David Tomlin, who was at one time a partner of Patrick McGowan. And they had parted company. David joined us as a first assistant director, but he, sh he soon showed that he had uh, qualities of, 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 fi of a fine director. And I asked him if he would like to direct, and he leapt at the chance. Today, he is one of the world's top first assistant directors, and is a very well-known figure now. But uh, he started to, to direct, and he was also very interested in writing. I don't, I don't, I'm not sort of drawn to any, any of these uh, sort of areas. And as a result, I read David's script. I recognized it as being good. <clears throat> I commissioned it and said, okay, let's go ahead and make it. I thought it was pretty weird. I thought it had sequences that I thought were dreamlike. And I can tell you, it was many, many years later before... I began to even realize that it had drug connotations. Now, having said that, <clears throat> I wish to make it quite clear that at no time did David try to pull the wool over my eyes, and there was no deceit or anything like that. It was just that I was pretty dumb about it. After making the action series The Protectors, Jerry was ready to tackle one of the biggest and most troubled productions of his career. It was called Space 1999. We were going to make a second series of UFO, and that was cancelled. We had done a lot of preparatory work, and then when I say preparatory work, that would have been uh, design and concept work, and, and yes, we were going to have a, a much bigger um, moon base. And then I suggested Lou that we called it, that we gave it a new title and made a new series, and he said, fine. And so this is where I devised the idea of having um, nuclear waste stored on the moon, because at that time, as now, this was um, an environmental issue. And uh, yes, I thought, well, if we, we have this uh, huge nuclear explosion, it would really be like a... Uh, have, have, have a similar effect of a thruster on a space vehicle, which would cause it to change direction. We didn't take any scientific advice. In fact, I can't really recall ever having taken scientific advice, except in the case of Day After, Day After Tomorrow, where it was an educational picture as opposed to science fiction. 
Um, you have to you have to mentally transport yourself back in time, and we're talking about what 1973. Well, the year 2000 seemed to be one hell of a long way away, and the mere fact that you were talking about the year 2000 it had a science fiction sound, the date, the year 2000. I just thought that 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 was about the time this sort of thing could happen. Of course, I mean now we we know that that was way out. Space 1999, we had an American director over who at that time was considered to be one of the best, if not the best pilot director in America. In other words, a guy who would specialize in taking new ideas, shooting the first presentational picture. And he was brought over because the Americans felt that he would give the show the right sort of feel, the right sort of slant, the believability for an American audience. And then he went back to America, and that was Finito. Then the British directors took over, and they directed 47 pictures. So the American contribution was very, very small. You know, the basic story was uh, that the moon had been blown out of orbit, and they were hurtling through the solar system. So it's not exactly a fun fun format. No, I, I, I think it's just that I, I thought it was um, a survival series and uh, sort of treated it as such. Uh, but mm, I don't think it reflected my personal life. Jerry's personal life took a heavy blow when his marriage to Sylvia disintegrated at the end of Space 1999 Year One, ending years of collaboration. But there was hope on the horizon in the form of Space 1999 Year 2 and a brand new pilot. Through a distributor, I got to know uh, one of the vice, one of the many vice presidents of NBC. Um, a guy by the name of George Heinemann, who devised a series of programs called Special Treat. And it was a wonderful idea. They were going to make six one hours on various subjects. And the idea was to entice children into wanting to learn about certain subjects. And so, for instance, um, they did one on geometry, which a lot of kids think is a pretty boring subject. But the way they treated it was with two film stuntmen planning a car crash. And then uh, they, uh, they, NBC, were going to send um, information pamphlets on the various subjects to all the schools so that when the kids came in the next day, instead of the teacher, did you see a special treat last night about geometry, she would be able to say, oh, yes, and here's the leaflet. And it was, it was a sort of a, an important thing for NBC to do. And they asked me if I would do one of the six hours, and I said, yes, I would. And um, the story of my life, isn't it? I got Einstein's theory of relativity. And I must confess that after, uh, you know, the whole thing was completed, I'd done all my research and made the film. I still wasn't really quite sure of what his theory was. But anyway, so basically that was it. I made it uh, in such a way that it could have been a pilot film for a series. But uh, it wasn't picked up.
The glory days of Jerry's partnership with Lou Grade and ITC were coming to an end. Despite these challenging times, Jerry continued to be creative. Writing a major documentary, conceiving of new films, series, and projects, he began development on an idea that would ultimately signify a return to puppetry. It was uh, created as a cartoon series, and we created Terrorhawks. And I took it across to Tokyo. They were monumentally impressed with it, so impressed that they said this is too good um, to, you know, for cartoon series, and we must make it into um, a live-action show. Um, and uh, they obviously got cold feet and uh, decided not to proceed. It was felt by most people in the industry that 16-mil cameras weren't capable of uh, making a number of passes, and, and by that I mean that you run the film through the camera, rewind it, and then you expose something different, and rewind it, expose something different. When you develop the film, you've got a, a composite image. But we managed to get hold of Mitchell cameras, which were ex-NASA cameras, which were very, very highly engineered. And as a matter of fact, um, at a special effects symposium of the British Kinematograph Society, I screened um, some of the special effects work from Terra Hawks on, on a big cinema screen. <clears throat> and people there were quite staggered at what we had achieved. Lou Grades kind of come once every 50 years, I think. And uh, there weren't any around at that time, and there, are, there certainly aren't any around at this time. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get the, the enthusiasm and the backing and the, the showmanship that, that he would have allowed us. In the wake of Terra Hawks, Jerry produced numerous other shows and re-entered the world of commercials after a long absence. Dick Spanner, Space Precinct, Lavender Castle, and New Captain Scarlet are just some of the best-known projects from the final decades of his life. But Jerry never stopped pursuing excellence and innovation. Swearing off retirement, he continued to work until the illness that would claim his life made it impossible. Jerry died in 2012, but his legacy lives on through his work and through those of us who were inspired by his relentless creativity to follow in his footsteps. Thank you, Jerry. And to all of you, from all of us at Anderson Entertainment, we wish you a very happy Jerry Anderson Day. Wow. We I must mean, thank yeah. the Simon Archer estate. Lovely Sue Harmon there, Simon's yeah, sister, great. who very kindly allows us to use those tapes. Um, and it's just so nice to hear from, from Dad talking about stuff in his own words, isn't it? Absolutely. On today of all days. Really special. I really enjoyed that. Exactly. No, it is Jerry Anderson Day is the day to hear from Jerry Anderson himself. Quite now, right. There's some of those intro uh, clips and bits of uh, Dad talking about the episodes and the shows, which I really, really like. But I would like to know, in this second part of our interaction today, in the bonus episode, which of those clips was your favourite? Now, I've shortlisted the five, which I particularly enjoyed. You might be surprised by one of the choices. Okay. So here are your options. The vote is live now. You can click on the the thumbnail if you're listening to this from the appropriate player at jerryanderson.co.uk slash gadaypod. Which one's your favourite? Was it number one, Trapped in the Sky? Number two, Question of Priorities? Number three, Black Sun? Number four, Joe 90? Or number uh-huh. five, Stingray? 
which of those did you enjoy the most? I'd love to know which one meant the most to you, which one you kind of got the most from, which one was most interesting. Just click on your option, your choice right now. It's Trapped in the Sky, Question Priorities, Black Sun, Joe 90 or Stingray. And time's up. That's it. The vote's oh, done. Thank you yeah. for interacting with us. We really appreciate you giving us a little click there for the two yeah. questions in this special bonus pod. And um, I think all that's left to do really is wish you a very happy Jerry Anderson Day. Yeah. We hope you enjoy all the amazing stuff that's going on. Let us know what you've enjoyed the most. Email us podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. Tweet us with the hashtag jerryandersonpodcast or the hashtag jerryandersonday. And uh, just have a fantastic day. And we will see you, as usual, on Monday. Yeah. See you then. Bye. been listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.